winter has come. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Welcome to the Geek Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kerr. Joining me today to discuss the season eight premiere of Game of Thrones, the episode that we've all been waiting for for so long. Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. Mo, welcome. Glad to be here. My dragon just got me here on time. It I'm did. Go. You said you're going to be five <laughs> minutes late and you weren't. Your, da- your dragon made up some time. We wanted Dan to be here, but he ran like the Night's Watchman in season one, episode one from the White Walkers down south of the wall. He abandoned us. He abandoned his post, but it was for Easter. So I guess we'll have to give it to him. He will be back next time we discuss Game of Thrones, I hope, cross my fingers, so that we can get his reaction. Before we dive into it, last time um, I mentioned that we were going to do a little pool for Game of Thrones to see who lives, who dies, and who will be a White Walker. And we're doing this for bragging rights for the rest of the season so that when the series finale ends and we get to tally it up, one of us four will get bragging rights for the most points scored. Now... I put a ba- like a, an example of the ballot on my Twitter feed, and I also shared it with my co-host. So we're going to go over a couple of the people, uh, the major characters who we are going to predict, and we're going to go over our bonus questions. So, Mel, mm-hmm. starting at the top, Jon Snow, alive, dead, and if dead, a White Walker. Jon Snow dead. He's not going to make it. I really don't feel like he's going to make it because he already died once. So technically, Jon Snow is already dead. That's kind of the way I feel like in my head. So he really has nothing to lose. I can see him going out in a blaze of glory. I don't think he's going to turn into a White Walker. Okay. Mo, how about you? Alive, dead, or dead and White Walker? Definitely, I agree with Mel. I think Jon Snow is going to end up dead. And I certainly don't think he's going to become a White Walker if my feeling is if he dies, it's going to be towards the latter portion of uh, the remaining five episodes. I don't expect him to die in that big battle with the Night Walk, uh, with the Night King. Um, I think it's going to come when they have to deal with Cersei. So I have him dying, but I have him White Walker as a White Walker. And the reason Mm -hmm. why, and this goes to my whole theory for this season and how the series ends, I believe it's cyclical. I believe that he will be the new Night King and that Danny will be the Mad Queen and that we the the game of thrones is going to start a new cycle over. We've already seen where Bran is the new three-eyed raven. I feel my whole theory is this is cyclical and that he will be the next night king who is going to go into some sort of stasis for how many ever thousands of years and then be the one who comes back in the future. So, I have him as dead and a white walker. Sansa Stark. Mel. Sansa will make it. 
And let me tell you why Sansa will make it. Because of all the characters on the show, Sansa is the only one. And when shit gets real, she is hiding behind a shadow. She is hiding in a closet. They already got her on a boat. Like, Sansa is not getting her hands dirty. It's not going to happen. And I also feel like, go ahead on. Y'all ain't going to believe I'm going to say this. But in all her years of getting torn down, thrown down, being the last one to catch on. I feel like she is much smarter now and she's finally learning from her experiences. So she's kind of thinking ahead rather than thinking in the moment. So I feel like Sansa's going to make it. Mo? I agree again. I agree with Mel again. I, I think San- Sansa, it's, it's, it's interesting when you, when you think about the Game of Thrones. And if you think about this as a, a true metaphor of a game, Sansa has clearly learned how to play the game. Because mm-hmm. if you look at her her journey, again, you got her, you had her in King's Landing. She made it through all that business. Didn't you know? Didn't lose a head, even though she was married to Joffrey. She didn't lose a head. Okay, she made it back up north. You know, she she ended up in the clutches eventually of Ramsay Bolton. You know, that was a little de- some detours and so forth. She made it through that. She got her revenge on Ramsay Bolton. Now she she you know she's Lady of Winterfell, you know she sees Daenerys as a threat. I think she's gonna do what she needs to do. She sees Daenerys as a threat, but not only does she see Daenerys as a threat, she has Cersei squarely pegged as not coming. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. She 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 read her. I mean, she knew she knew the score on Cersei. Mm-hmm. So. And um, we will get to it later, but her seeds with Tyrion, she also, she, boy, Sansa, she's been one, of, she's my favorite living character. She's been one of my favorite characters since the very beginning, but it's been amazing to watch people who hated Sansa for so many seasons now be like, Sansa's my girl. And I've had more than a couple people tell me that. I also agree that Sansa will be alive. Um, that brings us to Arya, M- Mel. I have Arya as alive. And this is because she went through that whole thing when Valar, Margulu, whatever. I, a girl has no name. She have different faces. I feel like she has enough tricks in her bag to stay alive, but she's not going to be, you know, the same character she is now where she's, you know, strong and she'll go boss to the walls and do whatever she need. I feel like whatever's going to happen in these last couple episodes is definitely going to change her. And I kind of see Arya like locking herself away. Not quite a recluse, but like, you know, staying out in the limelight. I can see it. Mo? Unfortunately, I think Arya's going to end up dead. And I think she's going to end up dead when she goes after Cersei. Okay. I think something's going to happen. She's going to it's gonna be a sl- there's gonna be a moment she's gonna show a moment of weakness at some point and some not necessarily Cersei but somebody else is gonna get it gonna take her out at that moment. I have her also dead. I don't think she will be a White Walker though, but I do think she will be dead um, because I feel like two things. First, it will be the she will have a culmination of her list as she believes it to be at whatever that point is. Because like I said on the last podcast, her list sort of changed when she was with the faceless. I also feel as part of my whole cyclical theory that as her father's daughter, look what happened to Ned in the first episode. I feel like Arya being sort of like Ned's little girl, the one who he most dotes on and everything... 
I feel like she is going to be the Ned of the series finale. But that's just me. I could be wrong. I just feel like this show, there have been so many plot threads that have been incorporated from the very beginning that you now start seeing them in the episodes. I have a very zen approach to this whole season. We shall see. Cersei Lannister, Mel. Cersei Lannister is dead, dead, and one more time dead because she gonna have to pay for all the dirt that she been doing the whole series, okay? There's no way Cersei makes that out of this. And of course, she's gonna be her stubborn self, but um, yeah, she did. Okay. Mo. I agree. She's she's got to die. I mean, mm-hmm. like, 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 going back to to uh, our soap roots. You know that soap. Bill, uh, Bill Bell said that these these soap these villains got to pay. Cersei's got to pay. Nope. <laughs> okay, I also have her dead. Um, I I agree. She has to pay. And the thing that makes me think of it, like the that makes me most confident in it, is I was rewatching the clip when Marjorie was in the temple and she was like, if Cersei is not here, there is a reason why she's not here. We need to get the fuck out of here. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Cersei is go- has been very clever the entire thing. Yes, she has made some mistakes, but I think in the end, if, sh- if someone like Arya doesn't get her, it will. She will do herself in and be too clever by half. I would sort of not be surprised if the mountain ended up being the one to kill her, though other people have suggested it might be Jamie. Speaking of mm-hmm. Jamie, yeah. I was really torn about Jamie because I can see this going either way. I chose him as dead, but I could just as easily still see him alive. Mel, what about you? Jamie Lannister is dead, and he becomes a White Walker. Okay, okay. Me, I like why that. I say this. This is why I say this. Because Jamie is another one where he's done a lot, a lot of bad things. He's been trying to, you know, kind of tote the line between good and evil in the later seasons. But that still doesn't make up for him being, you know, the Kingslayer and throwing Bran out the window. And that's kind of my big thing is because Jamie has now given up on Kingsland and he is back in Winterfell. I feel like that's a red flag right there because when we first see Jamie in the first season, like this is how, you know, he is just awful when he throws brand a little boy out of the window. And Luke, you've been talking a lot about things being cyclical. So I feel like we are making a circle here from him being so awful to him trying to be so good and make up for that. Now that he's back in Winterfell and there's supposed to be a big battle in Winterfell. And I feel like I can see Jamie like sacrificing himself to the White Walkers so everybody can escape or get a head up or something like that. But I definitely see Jamie going out. See, this is why I'm so conflicted because I felt, I've always sort of felt like if he's taken out, Brienne is going to be the person who does it. And they've had a couple stages where those two have had encounters where she's like, if the next time I see you and you are doing this, I will have to kill you. And so... In my mind, if he's dead, I see Brienne doing it, but I couldn't make the leap as to how he becomes a White Walker if she kills him. So that's why I didn't have him as White Walker. Mo, where do you stand? I also agree. Jamie's got to die. I I just feel like I don't think he's going to become a White Walker. I don't think... I think... 
I've, I've, I was reserved on who I thought would become a White Walker because I think if you play that card too many times, it kind of lose the kind of punch. Right. And I think, I personally think if anybody's going to become a White Walker and it's somebody who's not on this list, I think Ned Stark going to become a White Walker. <laughs> but he doesn't <laughs> have his head. But he doesn't have his head. So. Hey, come on now. Look. Look, we we watched enough soap operas that you know. I mean, touche. Like, okay. Anything is possible, but I think that's the kind of card you would flip if you're gonna make somebody a White Walker and gonna have that kind of emotional punch like that. You got to have like someone like Ned Stark. But getting back to Jamie, in my opinion, how Jamie dies, I, I feel like in so we in the first in this first episode, you know, you've you've kind of got a setup where Braun has been hired to go assassinate Jamie and uh, Tyrion. I, you know, I could see something happening there. Or, again, I could see something involving him and, and Cersei. And, you know, for all we know, he could, Jamie could end up poisoning Cersei and then poisoning himself and then taking and them both I out. See, I think that he could do that if she wasn't pregnant. But I don't think he would poison his own child. I still don't think Cersei is pregnant. Okay. Well, Tyrion Lannister, Mel. Alive. Okay. Tyrion has to make it. And I really think it's because Tyrion is another one. He's a Lannister. He's sneaky, but he also thinks ahead. And Tyrion, in my opinion, if he needs to, he will get his hands dirty. He will get in there on some half-man, half-man shit and do what he needs to do. So I think Tyrion is too slick not to make it. Mo? Yeah, I agree. I think Tyrion Tyrion's definitely going to end up uh, making it out of there. I'll be curious to kind of see where he lands. Uh, will his loyalty still see, lie with I got, uh, He's He is on one of the bonus questions when we get to them for me. Um, I also have him alive. Speaking of Danny, alive or dead, Mel? Okay, so I, I struggled with this one because it could go either way. She, she either ends up alive or she ends up dead. And I do think she's going to be alive. But like you were saying that Dan is going to be the Mad Queen, I kind of see her going that route too because you can see them setting it up. Like When we John, discuss the Sam scenes and with yes. John, when we get to that, that's going to be fun. Okay. John is a Targaryen. It's going to mess with her head. Like, and you know, the Targaryens are already unstable. Like you're running the family. So I'm just saying she's, I think she's going to make it, but it's going to be a whole different Danny. Okay. Mo alive or dead. I think Danny will be alive, but I think, you know, I, I hate, I feel like she, she's going to struggle and, and she's going to struggle. With the good versus nature, the duality, but I think it's I think she's gonna learn. I think she's gonna learn. I think when John dies, I think she's gonna learn from his sacrifice and I think she's gonna take that and live up to the name of Breaker of Chains. I think she's gonna break the wheel and destroy the Iron Throne. I think she's going to be dead, but I think she's gonna be dead because she's the mad queen. The thing about Danny is while she has had this arc where she is freeing the poor. She has also had this consistent arc where she has no sympathy, no empathy, and no compassion for her opponents. 
And I feel like as we part of, once again, part of this being cyclical with Jamie being the Kingslayer and how the Targaryens were killed off. I feel like Danny gets to the end. She's the mad queen, just like there was a mad king. And I feel like someone stabs her in the back. I don't know who it is, but it just seems right to me. Now we have a whole list of them and I'm, so, we're not going to go through them all because we want to discuss the episode. Obviously I'm only going to cover a couple more. Just pick them out here real quick. Yar, uh, Theon Greyjoy, Mel. Dead. He has to be dead because, as we saw in the episode, he's decided he wants to go back to Winterfell, which I kind of feel like that's a mistake for him because they're going to shoot you all sight because all the shit you did. But, you know, not the point. I definitely think he's not going to make it. Mo? I agree. I think Theon is a dead man walker. I think, I think he is going to be lunch for for a white walker. I also have him as dead. Um, skipping down to the mountain, I have him, like I said, dead and a white walker. I feel like as someone who has already went through everything that the mountain has gone through, it, it is only a small hop, skip, and jump to becoming a white walker. Mel, what do you think? He's dead. No, but not a white walker. Not, yeah. Okay. I know. I don't think he's going to be a white walker. See, I, I just feel like him is that big, impressive person. Cersei. Okay. I just feel like him is this big, impressive person as a white walker. That is would be as scary as when the giant became the white walker. Mm-hmm. Mo, what about you? I agree. I think the mountain's going to die, but I don't even think the mountain's even going to make it up to Winterfell for the battle with the Night King. I, I mean, like, clearly Cersei is holding her but folks. See, in but, reserve. But see, I still believe that I still believe that the White Walker is going the White Walkers are going to make it to the south. I think that it's going to be a retreat from Winterfell and and I could be wrong, but we'll see. Samwell, Mel alive, dead and dead or a White Walker and a White Walker. Samwell Tarly is alive. I wouldn't even think about trying to kill my Samwell. No, I no, no. I think he's too important. He's too important to story. There's no way I can't. No, Mo. No, I think he'll end up. Sam will end up alive and probably pushing Bran around. Yeah, I, I have right. him. I have him as dead. I think he might try and take out Danny and end up dead. Um, skipping down, Brienne, Mel. Alive, Brienne of Toth is alive with her giant sword and her beautiful blonde hair. Mo, I think she'll be alive, and I think Brienne could end up being um, the hand of like Sansa's hand. I, I mean, I could yeah. easily see that. I would love that. I also have her as alive. I'm going to go next to this character because I have him as a White Walker, Davos. Mel, he has provided counseling to various kings of the north and is still alive, though he doesn't have some of his fingers. Um, I have him as dead, not a White Walker, but dead. Okay, I have him as dead in a White Walker. Uh, Mo, what about you? I have Davos as dead, but not a White Walker. Okay, this brings us to the bonus question. So, once we get all these categories added up at the after the series finale, and if there were any ties, the bonus questions would be the bonus breaker. First question, worth one point. Is Danny pregnant? Mo? Yes, you're doing too much booting and tooting with John not to end up pregnant. Mel? I do think she's pregnant, but I, will, I do think she's going to miscarry. 
but so just to clarify, when the final credits, will she be still be pregnant or will she not be pregnant? No. Okay. I also have no. I think that she will be pregnant over the course of the season, but when it comes down to it, since I believe that she's going to be dead, can't be pregnant. I mean, I suppose you could be pregnant, but by my logic, she can't be pregnant and dead at the same time. Who kills the Night King, Mo? I have a uh, John and Danny double teaming and killing them. Okay. That's very specific because if John does it by himself, you do not get the points. Um, Mel? The Hound. Okay. I have John alone. Uh, who holds the Iron Throne when it's all said and done? Who sits on the throne, Mo? No one. It'll be destroyed. Mel? I got the same thing. I don't think there will be an Iron Throne. I have Tyrion. I think that the throne will still exist. The cycle will start over. Tyrion will be there. And I have one of two theories, and it will get us to the next one. And so I'm going to segue into that. The final point breaker was worth a total of six points. The first part of it is, will Sansa be married worth one point, which I'm saying yes to, and to whom is worth five points? I put Gendry. But if it's not Gendry... Considering she was once married to Tyrion, depending on how that plays out, I could see where she, where Tyrion is the king, she is the queen, and together they are ruling the country. The two smartest people, strategic people, left. So even though I'm saying Tyrion is the king, I could definitely see it. So question four, Mo, will Sansa be married, part A, and B, to whom? I don't think Sansa will be married. Okay. Okay. So, Mel, what about you? No, Sansa's not married, but I think she's ruling with Arya. Okay. So that is a little preview of the pool that we are just doing um, on the podcast. I also am doing it with my friends who we had a uh, premiere party. It was a lot of fun. We had White Walker drinks. There was a recipe I found online. They were delicious. Like, really delicious. We did our own pool. We've got prizes. I, I have a Game of Thrones um, trivia game that I found, and there is a Cersei Lannister Funko on pop with her sitting on the throne, and I have um, a couple of a, like a wine glass and a beer glass that are engraved with Game of Thrones sayings. So we'll see who amongst my friends, or possibly me, wins those prizes. But... This brings us to the episode, the season eight premiere of Game of Thrones, Winterfell. Biggest moment for you, Mel. For me, it had to be Danny, Sam, and Jorah. Like that whole scene, Samwell Tarly. <laughs> I tell you, he brought some tears to my eyes that whole scene. I really felt for him because I forgot about that whole deal with daddy killing his family so when as soon as he brought it up I was like oh oh no Sam don't let's not talk about this and then he was like oh well at least I can go home because my brother's in charge and I was like oh oh no no that's not gonna work either I just felt so bad for him it's definitely the moment like that stuck with me for the rest of the week that was an amazing moment the it was heart-wrenching it also led up to his conversation with John, which we'll get to later. Mo, what was your biggest moment of the episode? Can I break the rules and go with a tie? 
Um, now I have we no make room. The to, rules I have no room to like along. say no on that. So go ahead. So first, biggest moment for me was those new opening credits. That new title sequence. It's so amazing. I mean, now with the wall broken. And you literally can see like the little tile slipping over and becoming like these bluish kind of tiles, obviously showing the route in which the Night King is, is and his followers are coming. I love that they're just it, everything is just taking place in Westeros. We saw all the different little areas around Westeros. I loved how we when we got to King's Landing, you know, you go into the throne room through that tower. It was just so amazing. I was at a I was at a at a uh, watch party as well. We we wound that like it twice to watch those opening credits because we were like blown away by them. Now, in story, my biggest moment what or moments actually were the various reunions involving Arya, uh, whether it was Arya and Jon, whether it was Arya and the Hound, whether it was Arya and Gendry. For me, it was about those emotional moments because this character. You know, who literally has grown more or less like Sansa has grown up before our eyes over these these, you know, eight seasons. And she's, you know, a young woman at this point. And she's interacting with all of these people who have had different who've had who've had major impacts on our life. And I thought they were they were they round from heartwarming to just funny. I just really love that that part of the ep- those parts of the episode one guess as to what my favorite moment of the episode was the side eye shade that sansa gave danny when they were introduced and it wasn't just that moment it was when they she was talking about supplies and feeding dragons and then later danny is to like john your sister doesn't like me and he was like right he will and she was like I don't need her to like me. I just need her to bow. I feel like Danny is in for some rude awakenings with Westeros. She's come up against a lot of people. I'm not saying that Danny or that Sansa can match her pure like strength because obviously Sansa does not have dragons or an army of unsullied. But Sansa, I feel like it goes back to Sansa being the next strategic Cersei. Danny might not know what she's getting herself into with Sansa. So for me, that was the biggest moment, but let's just go over what happened in the episode. The season premiere episode opens with Danny and John riding into Winterfell and the people of the North seeing all of the unsullied and all of the Danny's army marching through their lands. What did you think of the opening sequence, Mo? So the thing that struck me and what I heard other comments, uh, some read that some other people um, <laughs> mentioned was how the Northerners are looking at the black folk because they had, cause clearly they probably ain't never seen any black Them folk Them judging poor people. <laughs> I just, ugh. So, so that 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 did that did pop into my mind because. <laughs> to be fair, they're that way. They're that way to everybody who is a stranger, though. But it, it was just it, it was just hilarious. It just but uh, in all seriousness, though, um, though I I did I think 
seeing it through Arya's perspective was was wonderful for me because it's like she's just I I love how she just sees everyone like marching in and and then one by one she sees the people that she emotionally connects with and and it's just part of me that says like Arya needs to just run out there and like hug John or something you know and and you can clearly see that she wants to do that but she holds herself back and then you know how big her eyes got when the dragons flew overhead so yeah I it it was a really it was a really uh heart-wrenching um, joyous kind of moment, and um, you know, and it's a nice callback to the the first, the very first episode, right? And that's what I that once again, this all being cyclical, the way that opened, and having her watch, and then the child watching as the mar- armies were dr- marching by, is very reminiscent of when Baratheon and, and the Lannisters arrive at Winterfell. Mel, what did you think of the opening sequence? Oh, I thought it was great. Just watching the whole army march in and seeing how far back they stretch, I thought that was pretty intense. Um, loved when the dragons flew in and everybody was like, you could just hear it over the crowd. Oh my gosh, there's real dragons! Yes, they're real dragons. They're here in Winterfell. It's about to go down. I think it definitely set the scene for you know, the battle of Winterfell, how, hey, it's so so calm when they march in, but it's about to pop off. They get settled in Winterfell, and then we start having all kinds of encounters. In addition to Sansa greeting her brother, who has returned, we have Arya reuniting. We also have the scene where they're inside Winterfell, and little Lyanna Mormont stood up and basically said, Everything that everybody else was thinking to John. Mel, what did you think? That girl has been the same age for what feels like the entire series. I've watched Arya grow up. I've watched Sansa grow up. And Liana Mormont is the same exact size. But to be fair, she was only introduced in like, what, season six? So it's like only three seasons. me up. Not the point. Not the point. But she did. She told the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but. And she was like, no, 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 no. We elected king of the north, and you abandoned your post. Where have you been? Because she was not having it. Because as we know, she definitely has an opinion, and it is all her own. So I had to give her props for saying what everybody was thinking. Because if we're going to keep it 100 here, it's like, you did run off and get try to you know help the north but you weren't here when we needed you so i see where she's coming from we also set up a moment in there um in those scenes for when um for the end of the episode where one of the young lords whose castle and family had been who who didn't have as many men basically stood up and was told to go back to his castle and um bring his people back to winterfell and that will lead up to what we talk about a little bit later. But Mo, what did you think of Liana? What did you think of those scenes in there before we get to Arya and John's reunion? You know, the children. What's that? There's an old saying about the, the let the, the the children sometimes say the loudest things or, or, or say the truth. I mean, the children. The children. I have to say in this episode, speak, um, Lord Umber. You know, the little boy who went who went back to. Uh, to his uh, castle, and then um, uh, Liana. I think, you know, for me, it, it, 
there was such a gravitas with those child with the with those two ch- child characters. You know, you could see that they they clearly could play with the big boys and girls. You know, they could, they could play with the grown folk. And you know, like Mel said, Liana, you know, she put she put her cards out there. You know, and it's clear, like in the scene when they showed the scene, all these older people were like. Oh yeah, she is speaking the truth. So you know, like you said, Mel, she she's been keeping it one hundred the same time at, for, for the entire time she's been on the show. Um, you know, I can't honestly. I I have to say I feel sorry for Lord Umber. I mean, you know, obviously we'll get we'll get we'll talk more about what happens to him. But you know, I I thought it was a really good scene to highlight the children and how much power they weld and, and and really how much that they're absorbing and and understand what's going on. This episode was an episode filled with reunions. Arya got a ton of them. She had John, she had the Hound, she also had Gendry. Mel, what did you think of those three reunions? My favorite moment was with John, but it was because it was Sansa related when he tried to throw shade at Sansa and and Arya was like she is the smartest person I've ever met. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, she put John in her his place, and John realized that he doesn't necessarily like. He realized that if it comes between a decision between John and Sansa, he might not automatically get Arya's vote. What did you think of Arya's reunions? Oh, I loved her reunion with John because honestly, we've all been waiting for it. Because in the beginning, you know. John and Arya were the closest out of the siblings. Like they, they understood each other and Arya was a little girl and she didn't care that he was the bastard and everything. So it was great. So when we finally see them, you know, I love that their initial reunion of, um, how did you just survive a knife through the heart? And he's like, I didn't. And she just runs to him because that was their whole relationship. She's just like, I love my brother. So it was super cute. But like you were saying, Luke, you know, this isn't the same little sister that you were dealing with because he was like, I could have used your help with Sansa. And she was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Don't be talking about my sister like that. It's different. Like, we we not all the same. Don't get it twisted. And the look on John's face is like, oh. Right. He was like, oh, crap. Sansa? Are you kidding me? And it's like, everything is not the same, John. Come on now. Let's keep up, please. So I thought that was different. It's definitely going to change some tides. Arya and the Hound. Uh, uh, the Hound telling Arya, you left me for dead. She was like, mm-hmm, sure did, and i do it again, too. And Don't I robbed you. <laughs> it was fantastic. So I thought that was really cute. And then Arya... And Gendry, you know, hey now, sookie sookie now might be a little bit of good things happening there. But I want to see, I think the most important part of that reunion was Arya and her weapon that she wants made. Like, why do you want this specific weapon made? And how is that going to come into play later? Mo, what did you think of Arya's reunions? Well, as I, as I uh, pointed out earlier, I thought... For me, they they were to me were the most cru- crucial aspects, and, and my favorite, and, and one of some of my favorite aspects of the show. Um, when it comes to to John and Arya's reunion, you know, for me, I'm looking at it is is that he sees obviously his little and at this point in time, he could still considers her, her his little sister, and he's trying to come approach her as still his little sister. 
not knowing the context and everything and what she has been through. And I think for me, it, it's like it's going to and he's going to struggle with kind of adjusting to the new reality with Arya because she's clearly very different than when he left her. And he will learn very quickly, uh, especially when she starts putting on false faces and killing folk, you know, how 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 deadly his, his little sister is now. You know, like Mel said, it, I'm I'm curious about this weapon that uh, Arya is getting made by Gendry. I think it's kind of cool that you know she has her, her 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 first crush and essentially probably her only crush. You know, making this weapon for her, uh, it's going to be kind of romantic. I think I think that'll be cool. So uh, you know. I'm going to jump a little bit um, so that be, so that we continue on the reunion theme. The episode ended with what will probably be the best reunion when it comes time for episode two, which was Bran and Jamie and Jamie oh. seeing Bran. Mo, what did you think of that? And before you reply, I just have to, I, I'm totally stealing this from someone in the timeline. They made a joke. It's like, how does Bran get around Winterfell? Did they install a whole bunch of handicap ramps? Because he's Who everywhere. Who is this kid around? Who? That's what I want to know. It's no, like somebody on Twitter was like, there's no tire tracks. There's no footprints. How is he getting these places? I agree. Uh, so, Mo, what did you think of the Jamie and Bran scene? Well, I think you know it's it's it was funny because you know Jamie's look is oh oh shit, but the roosters have come home. You know, like as soon as he he locks eyes on on Brad, it's like oh yeah, I'm in some deep trouble. You thought I was unwell? Jamie was probably thinking I was definitely going to be unwelcome. I'm really going to be unwelcome now. and, you know, that clearly sets up the second episode, which if you've seen the previews for it, um, you know, essentially it is, you know, some sort of trial involving Jamie, all of Jamie's crimes are being being um, being uh, showcased. Um, I'll, it'll be curious to see what how what Brand's role in that is, given that earlier in that first episode, you know, when he was when people were talking about. Arguing when people were folks were arguing amongst themselves and so forth. When uh, Danny and um, and Sansa, you know, had that little uh, were sniping at each other a little bit. He was like, "We don't have time for this foolishness." So I'm I'm curious to see if you know Bran is like, "Look, we don't got time for this foolishness. We need Jamie in order to survive. Let's just keep it moving." Well, in the interest of keeping this episode moving, let's talk a little bit about Cersei. She wanted elephants. And she didn't get Dumbo, Mel. <laughs> oh, she got Dumbo, all right, because Uron is there. Not the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, she got no. some trunk, that's for sure. But how much trunk does she get? That's what I'm saying. Okay. Um. Yes, Cersei was all, how did the elephants survive? And they were like, uh-uh, it's no elephants. And she felt some type of way about that. And I'm also like, girl, you want elephants there in the battle no that's that's not gonna get it but well i'm assuming she wanted him for like to go up against the giants elephants versus giants maybe that's what i assumed yeah but you know elephants aren't necessarily mean so okay i heard that there was some there was there was a discussion about wanting to include bringing elephants on the production side and that uh 
HBO thought maybe it was just too expensive for CGI elephants or something, so they just kind of inserted that as a joke. That's oh, okay. what I heard. Okay. So, um, you know, but but I think it goes to show that like, this episode has a lot of has a has a fair amount of humor in it and a fair amount of wit, and um, I, I actually enjoyed that. What did you guys think of Yara and Theon's discussion about him needing to go back to Winterfell? Can we just start a little bit before that? Okay. Because we think that Yara is in trouble. You know, she's locked away on the ship somewhere. Euron is giving some trunk to Cersei. And all of a sudden, we see, you know, arrows going through people's heads. We don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden... Theon Greyjoy appears out of literally nowhere. So at the same time, my roommate are watching this. And when he busted open the door, we were like, where the hell have you been? Because last time we saw him, he was fleeing. He jumped overboard. So where did you come from, Theon? That's what I want to know. Now, granted, they have decided they have this plan of Yara's going back to the Iron Islands. Because she's saying, well, John and Danny are going to need somewhere to come when shit gets real. I feel like that's definitely going to come into play later because they wouldn't make a such a big point of saying it if it wasn't. And Theon being like, no, nah, I really, I really want to go and help them. Like I was saying earlier, I don't know how that's going to go for Theon in Winterfell. Because if you remember in the earlier seasons, Theon did a lot of dirt in Winterfell. And he is not going to be welcome at first. But I do think Theon showing up with the ships is going to be like an out for them at the Battle of Winterfell. I feel like Sansa is going to save him. Yeah, like something something is going to happen there. Like it's going to come into play big time. I do kind of like that Theon is like, yeah, I should probably go help them because after all those stunts I pulled... They they gonna need me. They gonna need some help. Like I kind of like that part, but it's definitely gonna end to his demise. Like he's not gonna make it. Mo, Yara, and Theon. Well, I think it was necessary in order to. That was just to set up future plots. Um, I'm glad that you know we didn't spend a whole lot of time um, breaking freeing uh, Yara because uh, clearly Theon is needed in the north. Uh, so you know. I'm I'm good with the fast forward, and at this point, we 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 need to get to the meat of the story. At this point, we don't have that many episodes left. Well, we got to the meat of the story when Samwell found out that his father and brother were killed by Danny, and as Mel talked about it, touched on it earlier, it was one beat after the next. Mel, what did you think? That was such a fantastic, kind of unexpected scene. Because I knew we were going to see Sam, but I just didn't know how he was going to come into play. And Jor bringing Danny to Sam like, hey, 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 queen, I have to show you this guy who saved my life. He's amazing. Like, come on, come over here. And, you know, Sam being his normal kind of shy self, like, oh, my gosh, you know, my queen, what what can I do for you? I just did anything, you know, any normal person would do. It's not a big deal, so on and so forth. And then the subject of his last name comes up. And if you see Danny's face, like, you you don't mean Randall Tarly, right? He was like, yeah, 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 that's him. And you're like, "Uh uh-oh. This scene just took a hard left turn, and it is not going to end well. And I feel like the work that the actor did that plays Sam was fantastic. He better better be nominated for a supporting actor. 
I kind of didn't know he had it in him. So he took me by surprise. I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. And to hear, you know, Sam say, oh, well, you know, can I get a pardon? Because I kind of borrowed these books and this sword and these other things. Like, I thought that was really great. But that was definitely a standout scene for me. Mo, what did you think? Um, you know, I, I think it, it just hit you with a gut punch. Like Mel said, I mean, once it came up that we as the viewers knew what had happened to his brother and his father. But it's like that was a real gut punch. Um, and I like how, again, how the actor, how you can see the emotion in his face. It's like, you know, the blood just 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 drained out of him. And, and, and he he didn't want. It's clear that he was struggling internally with it, and you couldn't, as an audience member, whether or not you you liked Sam or not, but you really felt for Sam in that moment. And quite frankly, I think, I personally feel like uh, Jara, at least, he should have been more empathetic and should have been more supportive because this is the man who saved his life. You know, you just go stand there and just be like, Sits and shrug your shoulders and be like, I don't know, you know, what to do or what to say. Um, so, you know, but again, it's a great motivator for what happens next with uh, Sam and Jean. It perfectly sets up that scene. It's very soapy. I like it. I like it a lot. And thank you for setting up my transition, Mo. Um, which leads us to Sam telling John the truth, which, uh, once again, stealing from Twitter, Someone pointed out, and I had not caught this, that the next time it was pointed out in the first episode that the next time Ned saw John, it would be at Winterfell. And where do we see John and Ned in the tomb? Mm -hmm. By Ned's tomb. Very interesting. Sam told John the truth, and once again, or and John would not accept it at first. And then once he started to accept it, he wanted to run. This is the modus operandi of John. He always seems to run. Mel, what did you think of John finding out the truth from Sam? I love the whole scene because Sam, come, Sam comes in and he's his clumsy self. And John is just so excited to see him. He gives him a hug because that's really like the brother he never had. And then Sam, like not beating around the bush, which is kind of not like Sam, just straight up goes into it. He's like, yeah, so you're a Targaryen. You should be sitting on the Iron Throne of the Seven Kingdoms. There it is. I found it out. Brand helped me. It is what it is. And like you said, John wanted to run. He really did. And he was like, I don't know what to do with this information. I don't know how I feel about any of this. I am not here for any of it. But I thought that was such a great scene between brothers. Mo, what did you think? You know, it felt, you know, as a soap fan, it felt like a classic soap paternity reveal. You know, it's like, you know, this is your true lineage. You know, you need to accept it. And in true classic soap opera form, John's like, no, 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 this can't be true. He's denying it at first. And then you can, as the viewer, can see that the wheels are turning in his head. And he's thinking, oh, yeah, it it makes sense. But there's still that sense of denial because he doesn't want to believe that, you know, Ned Stark, who who is this nobleman, is no longer his father, but it's his uncle. So... Great scene, really good scene. I really liked it. Again, it was a, it was this was an episode with really great interpersonal moments. Which leads us to 
the dragon flying scene, which has been lampooned on social media. What did you guys think, Mo? <laughs> it was basically how to train your dragon or how to right? train your right. Stark. <laughs> yeah, that, that's basically what I thought about it. it. It was cheesy and corny and whatnot, you know. But there was so much cheese. There was a bunch of other cheese in this episode. So, you know, it was like, eh. Okay. Mel, what'd you think? Someone set the scene to Aladdin a whole new world and I thought it was fantastic. It made me laugh. But I also think that it shows that Danny is slipping because why are you not paying attention that John can ride these dragons just like you can? The dragons won't let anyone else get close to them and now he can ride a dragon? Like, come on, girl. I hear ya. Okay, so that brings us, before our final thoughts, that brings us to the scene. The little lord went to his castle, but we didn't find him how we expected to. We found him on the wall, pegged to the wall with uh, arms in the form of a symbol. He turns into a white walker and is set on fire by Tormund and company who have went to f- in search of them. Mel, I don't know if you saw what I put on Facebook, but there was a meme going around how that symbol very much rep- resembled the three dragon mm-hmm. emblem of the Targaryens. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that scene? Because it was super creepy. Oh, it was absolutely creepy. I like how they balanced it out with a little bit of humor with Tormund and the remaining Night's Watch. Like, watch out, he's got blue eyes. They've always been blue. Like, you got to chill out, bro. So I thought that was cute. But yes, I thought your post on Facebook was very telling because I didn't notice it at first until I saw it. And then isn't there some theory that the Night King is really the Mad King? Like, right. I saw something like that, too. So now I'm kind of reading more into that. But I definitely think there it's not a coincidence that those two symbols are are pretty much the same. Mo, what did you think? Oh, it was a straight up horror. It, 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 it had it had all the trappings of a classic horror scene. I mean, you know, the parties in the room, you know, they joking and laughing and talking. And then next day, you know, here comes the monster. It was a great scene. I, I jumped a little because I, I you knew it was coming, but still the moment when, when Lord uh, Umber, his eyes opened and you saw that they were blue and he was a he was a night walker. Ah, I was just like, oh, that was that was funny. That was it was it was it was a fun. It gave you a fun scare. Let me just put it like that. Yeah. Well, final thoughts. My final thought is if you watch the executive producer commentary, he confirmed what I have been saying for eight seasons and no one would ever agree with me when he said, John isn't the smartest bulb. And I was like, yes, validation. (laughs) That is my final thought. Mel, what is your final thought? My final thought is that it's about to go down like elevators and escalators in Winterfell. Y'all watch and see. Mo? Jamie Lannister, you know, his chickens have come home to roost. Cannot wait to see this trial of Jamie and to see them spill all his tea. It's going to be great. On that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all.